0: Thanks for listening to episode 266 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with the three winners of the Asia Pacific Social Innovation Partnership Award, or APSIPA, in the inclusive business category. And on the line, we have Jen Ashtim, Hesed Agriculture Training, and Homemakers Union Consumers Co-op. With a gradual increase of global risks, how can we develop innovative practices to ensure a future where sustainability will become mainstream? The Asia Pacific Social Innovation Partnership Award is established to explore dynamic social innovation models in the Asia Pacific and to motivate more change makers to contribute to social innovation, discovering and celebrating social innovation partnerships that connect diverse stakeholders and make significant social impacts. Partnership cases are required to set the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, or SDGs, as their core value. The award sets Motivating Social Innovation Partnerships as its purpose, integrating the 17 SDGs, sorted into three categories. Biosphere Sustainability, Inclusive Business, and Social Prosperity. Three winners were chosen from each category, and there was one special jury prize chosen by the judging panel. The Inclusive Business Award values socially innovative approaches to economic activities and commerce. Innovation, in terms of economics, does not only imply increase in income or employment, but also decrease in inequality and negative impacts, as well as responsible measures to forward economic growth and cycle. And I'm here today with the three respective leaders from the Inclusive Business category, Thomas Ng, Lance Lee, and Ms. Ben Wen or Julie. Thomas Ng and Janashtim are synonymous and born out of Thomas' passion to give hope to the people that the corporate world has left behind. His vision was to leverage technology and the internet to connect marginalized communities to the global economy. Today, Janashtim operates 100% remotely, providing online learning and support services globally. About 60% of its staff are people with diverse disabilities, 25% are refugees, and another 10% are LGBTQ and seniors across more than 10 countries. In 2004, Thomas left behind his corporate lifestyle after 25 years service to build your which is now a world-acclaimed entity, recognized as best of the world among B Corps for four consecutive years. Besides Janashim, Thomas also serves in leadership positions in YPO and the Asian Responsible and Inclusive Business Alliance. He's also one of the founding global advisors for the Knowledge Pledge. Lance Lee is the director who is the charge of palm sugar inclusive business in Hesed Agricultural Training in Cambodia. As one of the members founding Hesed Cambodia, he has discovered the potential agricultural items and improved the value chain in order to find and solve social problems of agricultural sector. Currently, he leads the project of building Palm Sugar Value Chain and works closely with corporate and non-profit partners to create social innovation. The goal is to create a successful model so that the Cambodian community and stakeholders can take the initiative and operate. He is from Korea and has lived in Phnom Penh in Cambodia since 2015. And Ms Ban Wenlin, or Julie, is our director member of the Homemakers Union Consumers Co-op. She is a devoted environmental advocate pursuing projects meant to benefit the needs of the earth. She's delivered lots of speeches and workshops of cherishing food. She believes that citizens can take action within their daily lives and communities to reduce food waste in the home, when shopping, at schools, at work, and in restaurants. They can also influence the actions of every other sector of the food supply chain. Julie believes that the co-op has an important role to play in raising awareness about food waste among consumers and supporting behaviour change through collective buying. At the Homemakers Union Consumers Co-op, they believe in a common need for genuine good food, which will lower the food waste rate. And at the same time, their members change the farmers and producers in farming and processing while making their livelihood decently. So it's a pleasure to be speaking with you all today. Thanks very much for joining us. Julie, we'll kick off with you today. If you could please share a little bit about your project, the impact that it's creating and what led to your passion in social innovation.
1: Thanks, Tom. Our project is about stopping food waste reduce food consumption rate. Last year, we were lowering the food waste rate to 4%. That's quite an achievement. And how do we make it? We do, I would like to say three actions. First of all, we do the balance of the food mileage, reducing the risk of damage during delivery. We have a headquarter is in charge of producer purchase and dispatch, balancing and the delivery mileages by distributing the fruits and the vegetables uh, in Taiwan. And during harvest, the outer leaves of a vegetable are kept, lowering the risk of damage during delivery. And the outer leaves are later peeled of wild pollen, which is why 80% of the waste comes from the outer leaves, and the second action, we reuse the four percent leftover food, make it the most. It, for example, overripe fruits and vegetables we use to reduce the loss of the profits of the farmers. Sixty so percent are sent to compost area, twenty-two percent are turned into communal meals and a member purchase and 12% go to chicken feeding, and 6% are reused in food-cherishing charity. So the value of a leftover food is maximized by reusing 84% of it. And we, are organization, our co-op right now has about 70,000 members. That's the quiet efforts to let the member to do the uh, collective buying power. And the third action is we developing the products. we balancing the supply and demands with plain purchasing. As I mentioned earlier, we call the term is buying power for the special festival, like a Chinese New Year or a Dragon Food Festival. Most people in Taiwan will buy lots of food, and sometimes that is because of a food waste. So we focus on the plan in advance, pre-order. That would be a good way to help us stop food waste. And that is quite an achievement. That's what we have done in the past few years. To sum up, first, we have a plan consumption, which means a balance of supply and demand. And second, we have our own product development, festival pre-order, and whole food usage. And the last one, we balance the food mileage. That is the so-called flexible acceptance and delivery.
0: Well done, Julie. I mean, there's a fantastic body of work there. And, you know, building that co-op to 70,000 members and reducing food waste in that way is, is fantastic. So thanks very much for sharing your story. Thomas, let's move to you and hear a little bit more about Jenash So please just tell us a little bit more about this project and the impact that you're creating. Okay, so
2: if I could start with perhaps why did I get into this in the first place? Mm. I retired from my corporate life fairly early. I had 25 years in corporate life and um, the last 15 years as an expat in Asia. My last job was as the country manager and president for a big multinational in the Philippines. And when I retired, I was invited to join the board of trustees for a computer school for the blind. Mm. And when I figured out and saw how blind people can very efficiently use the computer, access the internet and do stuff, I thought, good, they should be employed. But apparently after training 500 blind people to use the computer, hardly any one of them was working. So I tried to introduce them to companies and try to promote them to be workers. There's a Mm. lot of excitement, but then in the end, nothing much happens because after two and a half years, I couldn't achieve any result. So I decided that I believed that this could work, so I decided that we would start the business and start hiring, initially, the, the blind. Mm. And that was how Janesh Team was, was started, and we thought, what was the thing that we could do, you know? Because one of the biggest problems for disabled people is that they cannot commute to work, and in Manila especially, you know, even normal people take two hours to commute very often mm. to, to work each way. So that's why we started this whole idea about remote work, working from home. And we've been doing this for more than 12 years. And so all the services we provide are provided digitally. So in a sense, you know, with COVID-19, we have been preparing for it for more than 10 years. So we are 100% remote work company. We have people across six continents and we're delivering everything digitally. So, so that's been a very satisfying outcome in a sense. I mean, still feel sorry for a lot of people who suffer from COVID-19 but we have actually thrived and I also like to add that the people who work for us initially are all the disabled and many of them are very severely disabled we have about three or four of our employees who can't use anything below their neck so they're using the voice to activate the computers Mm. and we have many of them who actually work in from the bed they can't even sit up And we have also the mentally impaired, the autistic people who work for us, and they are particularly good at compliance jobs. And we have a lady who actually is not only paralyzed from the neck down, but she can't breathe on her own. So she has to be on a ventilator 24-7. So up till 2018, we had about 70 employees, of which 90% of people with disabilities. In 2018, we started to hire refugees. These are Middle Eastern refugees who are stuck in Indonesia. So today we have about 120 employees on our payroll across the world. About 60% are people with disabilities, 20% are refugees. Another 10% are either seniors, LGBTQ, HIV infected, or women from a press environment. So we hire women who can work from places like Afghanistan and Pakistan where it's not so easy for them to join the workforce. Thank you.
0: Thomas, that's an extraordinary effort there to grow that team and to provide that opportunity to such a diverse group of people. So well done on those efforts today. It's it's extraordinary. Lance, let's talk a little bit about Hesed now. We'd love to learn a little bit more about this project and the impact you're creating and your why. What led to your passion in in this area?
3: Thank you for the question. My company has discovered various social the Problems such as poverty, job, education, gender equality, and environment in rural Cambodia, and are the trying to solve the, those specific problems with their life and business. In particular, we have solved the social problem through the establishment and improvement of the agriculture product value chain. The, among the various the agriculture products, the item we pay attention to is the palm sugar. The palm sugar is the natural sweetness produced from the juice of palm tree, which is rich in nutrition and has the potential as a sugar substitute that does not raise the bloody sugar. The palm sugar has traditionally been a major source of income during the dry season, when the Cambodian farmer cannot farm due to the lack of water. However, in the traditional the production there were some hygienic and environmental problems and also unfair relationship with middlemen in the business bank chain. Discovering the various social problems arising from this, we had said have conceived and start a business to improve the value chain of the entire the palm sugar business from the production to sale. We are looking for the stakeholder for each part, sharing the increasing the same purpose with them and, and co-working in value chain, like even though each world is different. And we are the creating this business model together, the seeking sustainability within it. Starting in 2016, the business has been five years already. In the process, the palm sugar farmer increased their income by 200 percentage, the productivity by 13 times, and 75 families are job and joined the, this project. In addition, we are resisting carbon emission through the innovation in production metal. In developing country, it was never easy to work inclusive partnership with many stakeholders and create the social innovation. But when I thinking about what is the driving process, it seems to the people. The rewarding when they take initiative in solving problem comes up with idea, thinking proactively, and developing self-reliance. Thank you.
0: Thanks very much, and what an amazing effort that is. So thanks very much for sharing that, Lance. So winning the AppSipper Award highlights all of your dedication, hard work, and skills to innovate. So I'm keen to hear a little bit about your observations then of the social innovation movement in your respective countries and further afield, and where you see key opportunities and next steps. So Thomas, we might start with you. You're based in Singapore. What are your observations of the movement?
2: Okay, so in Singapore, I've been involved in a number of these movements. So I'm in ARABA, the ASEAN Responsible and Inclusive Business Alliance, one of them. Uh, The other one is I'm actually representative also of the B Corp movement in Southeast Asia. So Mm. we are also pushing the the B Corp agenda. And thirdly, my company has also been given the task by RAISE Singapore. So RAISE Singapore, R-A-I-S-E is the Social Enterprise Authority of Singapore is part of the Singapore government. They are the ones who accredit social, a social enterprise in Singapore. So we, we actually got the job they outsourced to us to actually be the ones to review applications. So we've been checking applicants to be social enterprise. And from the statistics which I have from a British Council report, there are about 20,000 social enterprises in Singapore which I suppose are self-proclaimed, and only about four hundred are actually registered with uh, with race. So it's not so easy. So from the many companies which we have rejected, I think that the great thing is there are a lot of passionate people who want to do something, but many of them get a bit lost. They don't have a fin- they can't build a financial model, mm. a business plan. And many of them are doing things very scattered and many of them are doing the same things. So I think there is, number one, there's a huge opportunity to kind of try to put them together, to have a kind of a social enterprise exchange where you can actually meet each other and combine your efforts and hopefully have a more robust proposal. And secondly, thing is that a lot of these people are young, are passionate, but they have no business, they don't have enough business acumen. So I think a mentorship program would be something which would be very, very helpful. I'm pretty sure there are many retired executives who would be more than happy to spend time to mentor these social enterprises. I don't see that really happening on any scale. Mm. And I think there's an opportunity there.
0: Yeah, some great insights there, Thomas. And Thanks for sharing the work that you're doing with Rays as well. I'm very familiar with their work and know that they've been involved in previous years with the Social Enterprise World Forum. So it's great to have that body there in Singapore, which is helping to promote the movement more broadly as well. Lance, let's move to you now. You're based in Cambodia. So what are your observations of the movement in your area and further afield?
3: As you know, Cambodia is the developing and one of the poorest country. The NGO and international and organizations support many areas of the social innovation. I think I can say the three things about the social innovation movement in Cambodia. The first, the way of the inclusive assistant, the official development assistant is shifting its focus to cooperate through the inclusive partnership between developed and developing countries rather than unilateral assistance. Many aid projects usually seize all activity at the end of project. In other words, the sustainability was their biggest concern. Therefore, the trend is that they co work with the social company, with the sustainability, create the social value, and solve the various social problems in developing countries. My palm sugar includes business is also the co-working with the COIKA. Second is the expansion of inclusive business. Only this year the Cambodian government created a department under the Ministry of Industry which promote and established the strategy for inclusive business with the support of the UN and inclusive business action uh, association. The limit thing is the ESG management is one of the criteria for discovering and evaluating the company with the inclusive business model at the government level. ESG is the word that appeared as a global issue this day from developed and developing countries. SDG and ESG are not an option but the essential survive Strategy now. And third is the fostering the social entrepreneur. The social entrepreneur are currently not legally recognized in Cambodia yet. The, however, the big companies such as Smart and Starcard in Cambodia are fostering the social entrepreneur the, through the various incubation and capacity building programs with the social network organization. The compared to other ASEAN countries were developing country, the Cambodia social economy is still poor. However, I think that movement and trendy has a fast and high potential. We will communicate more in various networks to participate in building Cambodian impact ecosystem. Thank you.
0: Thanks very much, Lance, for those insights. And there is some some great work happening there in Cambodia, so good to hear that there is some movement there. Julie, let's cross to you now. You're based in Taiwan. I'm, I'm keen to hear what you are observing in this movement of social innovation in your country and further afield.
1: Oh, well, I noted some successful example of some pioneer social enterprise which have demonstrated key elements. Of innovation in Taiwan, We know, social enterprise have been developing in Taiwan for over a decade, and have gained better public awareness in recent years. So over this period, both from policy perspective and in practice, they have taken up many responsibility and fulfilled a lot of expectation. And what, where do I see key opportunity? And next step? well. Personally, I think enhancing awareness is very important. How to promote across sectors, include public and the private sector, will yield better result. So I'm thinking the government or some NGOs will keep encouraging social innovation in public problem solving and facilitating multi stakeholder participation in social economic development include uh, our social enterpriser and the co-op and also in addition I think more and more organizations like us we uh, coincide with sdgs so cooperate with our stakeholders and work together innovative social enterpriser and the co-op will exhibit greater uh, flexibility in uh, operating of the social enterprise and apply the trial and error approach to in creating more and more social innovation that's what i a personal observation of social innovation movement in taiwan thank you
0: thanks very much julie yeah there's some great insights there too and We've certainly observed some great momentum building there in Taiwan over, over the years, so it's, it's, it's great to see it moving forward. Let's move forward and talk to you all a little bit about some advice. You've all been working very hard on building your initiatives and creating this impact. So what is one piece of advice that you would give to other business people who would like to use a more inclusive approach? Should we start with you, Lance?
3: Of course, competitive as a business is very important, but the most important thing, especially in inclusive business, is the why the founder does it. The, does the founder has a clear definition of the social problem that the founder is the trying to solve and are they aiming for it? But this is a very important criterion that the founder, that themselves define with a very clear intention and direction that we this inclusive business to solve this problem. It should be clearly established why you are doing the business. Only then will the company's the intention to solve the social problem during its growth the remain unchanged and you can get the real the social impact and value as well.
0: Thanks very much, Lance. Yeah, that's some great perspective there. And absolutely, starting with why and communicating your why is just so important. Julie, what's one piece of advice that you'd give?
1: We are a cooperative, that we care, we put people first, and that we want ethical and fair, and that we are great to do business with. So I would say to promote cross-sector cooperation for the creation of a social capital given the unique attribute of social entrepreneurship entrepreneurship or co-op in bringing together and combining different gateholder and community resources. That's what I'm I'm thinking right now.
0: (laughs) It's a a great thought there. And thanks for sharing that reflection. So Thomas, let's hear some advice that you have considering your experience in, in setting up your enterprise. What would you give? Tom,
2: I'm so glad that you actually asked the question with uh, what other business people can do. Because whilst I think it's of course great that we have social innovators and social entrepreneurs start up businesses with a strong purpose, like what Lance and uh, Julie have uh, alluded to, I think that the it can get a lot more acceleration and bigger results impact from existing businesses who then choose to align their the way they do business with mm-hmm. ESG principles and to do this they are today very useful tools and easy tools which you can use and they are actually the ones I'm going to suggest are actually free. One is the SDG Action Manager which was launched by Global Compact, United Nations Global Compact and that tool was actually provided by B-Lab. B-Lab is the a non-profit organization behind B Corp certification and that is quite simple to use. You can choose to only do a number of SDGs, you don't have to do all of them. If you want to get a bit more serious then you can then and with the SDG Action Manager you can actually transition into the B Impact Assessment. B Impact Assessment is a more in-depth assessment which goes into your business and gives you an assessment and eventually if you reach a certain number, a certain score you can actually be, go for B Corp certification and but the important thing the more important thing i believe is that when you do these assessments you get a bit of a benchmark of where you stand whether mm-hmm. it's with the BIA or with each SDG and it also shows you what are the other things you can do to improve so it provides a roadmap for you to progressively align your businesses over time and i believe that if all businesses were to do this and think along this way there will be a much bigger impact that will you know come to society at much shorter time
0: thank you yeah great insights there thomas thanks for sharing that let's finish off our interview now with some recommendations when it comes to books or resources, web pages, podcasts, there's a whole heap of inspiration out there. So Julie, what would you recommend to our listeners?
1: Well, I would recommend International Cooperative Alliance. This is a website, it's easy to can find. And because the co-op was established in 1895 to promote the cooperation model. And today when we're talking about the social innovation. Actually, it is not a new idea because about 200 years ago, the Pioneer, they had established the social innovative model. So I would recommend to visit the website because you can see the cooperative impact and how the three million cooperation on earth and they, how they contribute to sustainable economic growth and a stable quality in employment. So from the website, I think anyone can have some knowledge about what a co-operative model and what business driven by value and now by renunciation of the capital. I think that is a good way to start to know what a co-op is. Thank you, Tom.
0: Thanks, Julie. It sounds like a great resource there. So we'll certainly do our best to stick a link through to that in the article. Thomas, let's talk about your books or resources or other recommendations to our listeners.
2: Okay, so thanks, Tom. This is an easy one. There is a book that was published in, I think it was in September last year, called Better Business by a professor, Chris Marquis. Chris started his life as the vice president of J.P. Morgan Chase, and then he went on to lecture at Harvard University for 10 years, and he even lectured at the Kennedy School. And in recent years, he has been with Cornell University as the head of Global Sustainable Enterprises. And Chris has a wealth of knowledge. He's travelled the world extensively. He's a frequent visitor. He was a frequent visitor to Asia, and some time lecturing in the top universities in China as well. And I believe Chris actually speaks better Mandarin than I do. Hmm. So his book is Better Business by Chris Marquise. Thank you.
0: Thanks very much, Thomas. Sounds like a great resource there. And Lance, let's finish off with you. What books or resources would you like to recommend?
3: I would recommend the business solution to poverty. The book was written by the Populang and Marwick, the both were the entrepreneur and poverty activist. Based on the pr- provocative the argument that the poverty can only be solved by business. This book then inspired me a lot. Before starting this business, the based on wide range of the example and theories. The author explained how to make billion of the customer my customer, how to company of the future should survive by the securing sustainability in such a lane market. This book has already been published for six years, but it has great meaning for me to remind the beginning of my business again. And furthermore, It will give the good insight to those who create inclusive business.
0: Sounds like a great resource, Lance. So thanks for sharing that with us. And thanks so much to all of you today for sharing your really generous insights and time. Congratulations again on winning the App Super Inclusive Business Award. We'll certainly look forward to tracking your journeys into the future and touching base down the line. So thanks again.